Hi, Insiders! We're so glad you'll be our guest today as we celebrate the 30th anniversary of Disney's Beauty and the Beast. Joining us to celebrate is the star of the movie and Disney legend, Paige O'Hara. Beauty and the Beast released on November 22nd, 1991, and Insiders, we know you've watched it over and over just like we have. It inspired a generation to adventure in the great wide somewhere, it taught us to never judge a book by its cover, and that beauty is found within. And it was groundbreaking, becoming the first animated feature to be nominated for an Academy Award. I was such a big fan of this movie as a kid, and to this day, I still get goosebumps when the iconic opening hits the screen. Belle definitely inspired me to have the courage to adventure and pursue the dreams that were important to me. It truly is a dream come true to learn more about this tale as old as time. We are thrilled to have our very special guest here to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Beauty and the Beast. Welcome Paige O'Hara to the show. We're so, so beyond thrilled to have you be our guest today. Oh, thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Well, we want to get into a big congratulations, obviously, about it being 30 years, but we want to start at the beginning. Let's start at your beginning, where you're from and getting your start in acting and singing. Actually, I'm from Fort Lauderdale, and I knew from a very young age, four or five years old, that I wanted to be an actress. Um, I didn't know yet I wanted to be a singer, but I started acting class when I was you know, seven, eight years old at uh, Fort Lauderdale Children's Theater. And, um, and then I consequently went on to Performing Arts High School, which my mother was one of the directors of. So uh, at Nova, it was amazing. So I had all this training before I even went to New York at 17 when I graduated, I went to New York. But uh, I was, you know, my first, my first role, I actually got to play was Cinderella. Um, but I did oh, a lot nice. of little chorus stuff before that, you know, I was a, I was a, what was I? And I can't remember, I was, I think I was a tree in, in Wizard of Oz <laughs> 7. And I was like, can I just have a line as a tree? And she said, your time will come. You know? Anyway, so at nine years old, Cinderella was my first part. So I always had a soft spot for that. I love it. The princesses, the inanimate objects. It was like Belle was truly meant to be for you. I think so. The Enchanted Castle. Oh my gosh, I did. I fell in love with theater so young that I, I was actually offered to go to a couple of colleges on full scholarships, but because of the help of my mom being such a great teacher and performing arts and all those years in children's theater, mm -hmm. I chose to move right to New York, right out of high school. And uh, it was quite a learning experience, you know, a lot of struggling, a lot of rejection. And um, my parents, you know, gave me like a few hundred bucks and said, you're on your own. You're going to make your way. So I did. And um, I'm glad I did. I'm glad they didn't like pay for everything because it made me learn how much I wanted it and how much I appreciated it once I did mm -hmm. start to succeed with it. A true adventurer, it sounds like you, you are and like you were at the time. And it sounds like yes. that was that was clearly a part of all the steps that needed to be taken to get to the role of Belle. So tell us about that. How did you hear about it? Well, you know, I, at that point, you know, I was in my early thirties. So I'd been in New York then for quite a while and done some Broadway shows and established myself. Um, and uh, I, I'd heard about, of course, I fell in love with Little Mermaid. Jody's a friend of mine, Jody and Ray Benson. Mm -hmm. And I was a huge fan of, of course, Howard Ashman and Alan Menken. And so after Little Mermaid and I heard about Beauty and the Beast, I was so excited. And, you know, I read about it in the Times and I called my agent. I said, I hope you're going to get me an audition for this, you know, and, and they did. And um, once I read the script, though, it was uh, it was really strange, Lisa, because she was me. It was I've never, ever in my life had a part mm -hmm. that was that close to who I am as Paige. 
And uh, so that was, um, I got the audition the very first day. I went in and Albert Tavares, the casting director, God bless his soul, he's in heaven now. He had this little tape recorder and uh, I sang Heaven Help My Heart from Chess. And he said, I don't normally tell people this, but you're definitely getting called back. So I started, looked at the script and then I was just, I was just all ready to go then. I was just ready for the audition process to begin. Oh my goodness. So this is a different kind of performing then at that point in your life. Am I right? Like an animated feature film. Did it feel overwhelming or did you feel like, how did that feel like a new frontier for you? Well, I didn't really know what to expect because I'd never done it. I'd done a few voiceover people confused this is not like voiceovers uh doing a film this is more like doing an on-camera film voiceover a whole different thing mm. i did commercials and voiceovers but this was more about creating the role and then they they videotape you and incorporate who you are into that character and that's why you know all these characters were so much like the actors who portrayed them mm. but it was a, a little overwhelming at first and the first day that i i went in to record i was like oh my god i'm 32 She's probably, I think Howard says she's the first one in her 20s, even though they say she's a teenager. In Howard's mind, she was 20. So I was like, okay, I got to raise oh. my voice now. I got to sound younger. And I was like, stop, what are you doing? Stop, stop, stop. No, and the directors, no, we want your sound. It's got a womanly quality. And, and they called it an old classical style, which is kind of cool because uh, I am sort of a dinosaur. I mean, <laughs> I've always felt I was born in the wrong era. So within, uh, you know, within the first hour, I just kind of accepted that they really do want me to have my own voice and my own personality. And um, the hardest part wasn't the vocal part. The hardest part was um, the vulnerability you feel when mm. they want you to like tear all the walls down and just be yourself and let your soul come through the character. And that, that took me a little time to allow that to happen. But once it started happening, um, that's when my character came came to fruition. And of course, Robbie Benson, he came on a month later than after I started. And I'll never forget the first day. I just felt this incredible love for him. I just, I felt like I'd known him my whole mm -hmm. life. It was like a brother to me. And it was, uh, it really made it really special that Robbie and I, got to do this together and record together, which was, as you know, is not the norm. I heard that. That's actually really interesting that you bring that up. How come that, I'm curious, why isn't that the norm? And then obviously, how did you feel that it really helped enhance the performance for you two? Well, it wasn't the norm because it is much more complicated technically with, with the overlapping on your voices and being next to each other. Um, so consequently, it's more money, more time. Um, but I couldn't believe they said yes. And when they did, Actually, I think it saved them time because Robbie and I just like connected and our characters grew so quickly together by being together and feeding off of each other. And I think, well, the directors and they all, Kirk and Gary, they loved it so much that they let me do that also with Richard White, who's Gaston. And that was easy with Richard because I, Richard and I, we did shows together. We went to Egypt together. I starred in Showboat together in the Opera House in Egypt. And I mean, I've known him forever. So oh, I, it was really, it was really fun and easy to pick on Richard. In fact, in the recording sessions, when they allowed me to, uh, to improvise, I think sometimes I actually picked on him a little too much. And they said, no, Paige, that wouldn't work in this era. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I won't tell you what I said, but it was a, the, the stinky feet when he kicks off his shoes. 
Uh, I, I, made, I made a pretty nasty comment of the smell of his feet, but they did keep, <laughs> the, you know, holding my nose, like, and the facial expression. So that was good. <laughs> That's actually really cool. I didn't know, though, that you recorded with both of them individually. Did you feel that you had to have a different approach when you were playing Belle with Gaston versus Belle with the Beast? Because, I mean, that's the interesting contrast, right? Is that the Beast, you see through to his inner beauty, but then Gaston, his outer beauty, is just a bad contrast (laughs) for what's going on inside. But did you feel like you had to – yeah, how did you play those? Well, what's kind of cool about that, Lisa, is that, you know, Belle, she's incredibly smart and very intelligent and very intuitive. And of course, not only she saw through the beast, but she saw through Gaston. She saw the ugliness of his soul. (laughs) um, And it did not matter what he looked like. I think it's kind of an interesting point to make. A lot of people don't realize that in this time period, if Belle really was 20, even if she was 18, the fact that she wasn't married would have been considered an old maid. And what's really kind of wonderful mm. about that is she could care less. <laughs> she could care less if she's an old maid. She just wanted to read and have adventure and, and experience life. I absolutely love that. One of your quotes um, that I came across was, she's very smart and odd and is looking for adventure, not a husband. And I thought that that was really powerful and just informing her character and that she's, again, she's just a standout character and leads with her intellect and her heart. So it's very, very inspiring. Well, it was also so many levels. It, was, it was also the first time that a princess wasn't looking for a man. That hadn't happened up until that mm-hmm. point. And then so Belle sort of paved the way for the other princesses ahead of her coming in the next generation to also be independent and strong-willed women and, and not necessarily looking for a prince. Um, and there's a whole bunch of them. I mean, let's let's look at the think about what's happened in the last 30 years. If Howard Ashman and Alan Menken had not literally begged the Disney company to do Little Mermaid, I mean, low budget, mm-hmm. low budget. They put their own money into it as well, from what I understand. Uh, Howard co-produced it, and they all took this chance. They were taking a chance on Little Mermaid. If they had that hadn't happened, all these films probably would have never happened. That's amazing, though. It is. I mean, I grew up on all these films. Like, literally, you, I go back and I watch Little Mermaid or Beauty and the Beast, and I'm immediately transported. I have my VHS in my hand, like, trying to play that thing over and over again. But <laughs> for you, actually, at the time, did you realize kind of how groundbreaking the part was? Like, obviously, you felt very connected to her. But then at what point do you kind of understand her position and her place in the greater Disney story, I guess? That was, that was, that's a really interesting thing. Nobody's ever said that to me and asked that, but you're absolutely right. That was the difficult part. Um, and I had to be reminded by the Kirk and Gary and Howard Ashman and Don, you know, that it's, you know, this is the time period and we can, we can push it to the limit, which we already are, you know, with her being who mm-hmm. she is. Um, but yeah, I had to be reined in a couple of times, but I just <laughs> thought it was so, um, so incredibly important. You know, Linda Wolverton, who wrote the screenplay, I have to tell you, she's as much Belle as Paige is. Mm. Uh, you know, Belle is really not just Paige. It's Paige and Linda, and it's James mm-hmm. Baxter and Mark Hitt that animated her, and the whole team that sort of created this character. And if you sat down and talked with Linda Wolverton, I think you would see a lot of Belle in her as well. Mm-hmm. I love that. 
Well, what is very unique about you in particular, Paige, is that obviously you said she embodies a few different people, but you through the character that we see on screen. So I understand that the animators use your recording footage as reference when they're developing the character. So are there any traits that you see of yourself within Belle? (laughs) Well, definitely your sense of humor, but physically, um, you know, at that time I had long hair and, you know, you look at the footage that we did, you know, for recording for like the specials and everything. I had this (laughs) bouffant like pageant hair all fixed up for the day because I knew I'd be on camera. (laughs) <laughs> my mother made me do that she's like Paige oh, you gotta curl up your hair and that was the that was the 80s thing but uh on a normal day recording the baseball cap and the long hair and the, and the hair in the face you know I was more normal with no makeup and that that was that was what they drew from and uh so that you know a lot of the expressions the raised eyebrow the you know just little <laughs> funny faces but both my sisters when they saw the premiere they hadn't seen anything prior to that Literally within the first scene, they were like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, it's you, oh my gosh, this is crazy. They were laughing, you know, but it's um, it's just, I mean, I've, I've, look at Mrs. Potts. She is Angela Lansbury and, and Lumiere, oh my gosh, is that not like Jerry Orbach right there in your face? I mean, just like Jerry's little face. <laughs> it's just so cool. And of course, love, with the Beast, I, I think is, you know, the Beast was so brilliant is that Glenn Keane, um, made all, the beast this incredibly scary person but but mm-hmm. the beast his blue eyes all of the all of the uh, and objects that were animated all had human eyes there was nothing that, mm-hmm. in all the objects including the beast that was the only thing human he gave to to the beast from the beginning to the end of the of the movie i almost said the play it is like a play <laughs> but that was i think that's really kind of interesting you know that so. is so cool. I've never actually taken note of that when I've watched it. I will definitely go back and watch that. But it's very, very true, um, that common thread. Mm-hmm. You did also mention the other cast, though. Do you have any memories of first meeting the other voice actors? Oh, my gosh. Well, I was, you know, starstruck. I mean, I'm a Broadway girl. And, you know, Jerry Orbach and Andrew Lansbury are Broadway legends. I mean, they're mm-hmm. royalty on Broadway. And uh, I, I remember when I was 18 years old, I just got into New York and I would sneak in at intermission to go see Angel Lansbury and Gypsy and uh, <laughs> playing Mama Rose. I couldn't afford a ticket. So back in those days, we just sort of sneak in at an intermission, stand in the back, and they let a certain amount of people do that. And I, I saw her six times. And uh, mm-hmm. I remember her stopping the show every night with Rose's turn. And um, so when I, I was sort of... Totally, well, it wasn't sort of, I was totally starstruck when I met her, but we sort of mm-hmm. broke the ice because I was talking to her about her Mama Rose and Gypsy. And she said, what would you think of it? And I said, oh my gosh, you were the only only Mama Rose. And there are a lot of great Mama Roses that have played that role. But she's the only one that played that role like she was the child and Louise was the adult. She's the, you know, the pushy stage mother. I don't know if you know the, the musical. It's one of the greatest mm-hmm. ever. Mo- Consequently, Rose, a lot of times, is not a likable character. Now, when Angela Lansbury played it, you loved Mama Rose. <laughs> and she said, you know, I got criticized for some of that. But she said, I, 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 I treated it as though I was this immature young thing, you know, kid. And so I, I th- she thought it was cool that I understood what her take was on the character. 
So we hit it off right away. There's uh, there's one other really cool story. I don't know if you have, have heard it or not, but um, the day that we recorded all the music, we had mm. you know the full live symphony orchestra, all the Broadway singers singing in the ensemble just because they wanted to be a part of it. I mean, Broadway stars, you know. Um, and I was recording Richard White and Robbie Benson and Cherry Arbach and Angela got stuck in, from her flight being canceled and oh traveled gosh. all night long just to get to the studio, had had no sleep. And mm. Don Hahn said, Angela, do you, Angie, go home. We'll, we'll do this tomorrow. And she said, no, I'm here. I made it. Let's just, let's just try. And I mean, she looked exhausted, um, but she gets up to the microphone and um, takes her a little sip of water and maestro you know <laughs> to her and starts to sing and it was it, it was like a master class in in acting and music she sang one take and there was i don't think there was a dry eye in the entire hmm. huge symphony hall that we were in and uh howard ashman said that's it one take and that's what they went with that just shows you she places people like her and Jerry Arbach, they were such true pros at what mm. they did. So incredibly gifted. But that was an amazing day. It really was. Absolutely magical, it sounds like. And I think that that just became a testament to all the accolades the film was gonna get not far around the corner. What was it like being part of the first animated film to be nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards? You know, it's it's so incredibly thrilling and exciting and and also humbling. You know, I feel so blessed and grateful to be a part of it. Um, you know, talking to Don Hahn just last week when we did a, a, a program together and was like, we still pinch ourselves. Mm. That, is this real? Is it really real? It, it is. <laughs> And it's just so wonderful to have that legacy, to be a part of something that will be one of a kind for generations to come, you know, long after we're gone. It will still be the only one in that category. Mm. So it's uh, pretty special. When did you know you were going to be performing at the Oscars? Oh, that was a cool story. <laughs> <laughs> well, it got nominated. I heard that it was nominated and the songs were nominated. Everybody was calling, what have you. And um, I just assumed my agent actually assumed they were going to hire pop stars to sing all the songs. And I got a call from Jeffrey Katzenberg and he said, we want oh, you wow. to sing your bell song. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I heard that pop people were going to be doing it. He said, I took care of that. And I found out <laughs> later, he basically told the Oscars, if you don't take Paige and, and Richard and Angela and Jerry, then you don't have the songs. And Alan oh, Menken wow. agreed with it. So we, he basically put his foot down for us. That was one of the most amazing things ever. Okay, so I want to ask though, obviously everyone recognizes your voice after the film comes out. Like over the years, have like do people recognize your voice? Do you have any fun memories of that? And then also, what's the line that people ask you to quote the most? And has it changed over the years? We're celebrating 30 years. Has that kind of evolved? Well, definitely the line that they ask for the most is, Gaston, you're positively primeval. <laughs> Gaston. That's that brilliant. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then they love it when I yell at the beast in the beast scene when he's being such a pain and I'm like mending his wounds. And um, he, he's, that hurts. And I said, well, if you'd hold still, it wouldn't hurt as much. 
if you wouldn't fight me, blah, 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 blah. and then we go back and forth. That whole scene, <laughs> Robbie and I love, love to react that whole scene. And that's the one they showed on the Oscars, which I loved. That was Don Hahn's favorite scene. <laughs> and in terms of recognizing my voice, there have been a few times in the when the movie first came out, it was in the grocery store, and a little boy, I guess they had just come, come to see the movie. Um, I was talking on the, you know, my friend, blah, 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 blah. And he said, excuse me, are you Belle? Mm-hmm. I was like, how did you know that? And I, I guess because it was fresh in his mind, he'd just seen the movie at the El Capitan. But it's also happened over the phone, like when I've called the airlines, what happened with <laughs> a woman in South Carolina. She said, you sound an awful lot like the, the woman that did Belle. And I started laughing. It was funny. So it has happened a few times. That's amazing. (laughs) I love that you have such fun, fun memories throughout this entire 30 years of celebrating the film. And new generations have become fans of the film. How have you seen the fan base change over time? Oh, my gosh. It's, you know, Jody Benson and I kid each other and then Linda Larkin, because now there's multiple generations of fans. When we go and do these signings and sometimes the Comic-Cons to meet the fans, they're from five years old to 90, mm. you know. Um, uh, Jody and I typically, when we do do a Comic-Con together, and um, I started doing them to uh, just for fun, and I ended up loving meeting the fans and hearing their stories. Mm. And it's funny, my, the woman who assists me on it, she she keeps a box of Kleenex on my, on my table when I sign because a lot of people come up and burst into tears. And uh, whether it's because it the character of the film shaped their life or changed them or they shared shared it with the parent or a grandparent that's passed. There's all kinds of reasons. There have been several people that said to me that the character of Belle helped them realize that it's okay to be different. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to be a nerd. Mm-hmm. It's okay to not fit in the norm. Um, and some, you know, kids sometimes can be cruel in school if you're an odd person and you're the geek or whatever and you're not the popular one. And uh, I think that I think that this film and creating this character really helped a lot of people feel accepted and feel proud that they're different, which they should. I love that. I love that so much. And, you know, I grew up with this movie, as I've said a few times, as a huge fan of it. Did you feel like any of the messages or any of the legacy for you personally, like as, you know, different life occurrences time has passed do you think any of the messages have changed from when you first got the role of bell to now 30 years later what do you think is the lasting legacy of this movie oh there's no question i mean the 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 message and the whole story of this film will be relevant forever in fact it's it's in the last couple years with all that's happened is even more relevant than it had been previous in the previous few years um Truthfully, I mean, won't there always be people that that judge you and for the wrong reasons? There will always be a story where you cannot judge someone by the way they look or the book by its cover. You always have to find out who that person is in the inside, is on the inside. And that's really the message. Beauty is with, comes from within. And that, I think, will be relevant for generations to come. Such a beautiful, beautiful message. Okay, Paige. Well, you've talked to us a lot about this special, special role of Belle. We want to know more about you, though. As a Disney fan, are you ready to take on the Insider Five with us? (laughs) Sure, why not? (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, here we go. Okay, I'm scared. No, no, no. no. Okay. Belle is the epitome of courage and <laughs> kindness, and I know you are too. This is going to be a lot of fun. First question. Okay. What is your earliest memory of being a Disney movie fan? Wow, I, that's that's easy. Um, I was, I think, seven, eight, seven, eight years old. My grandmother took me to see Mary Poppins, mm. and it, it changed my life. It truly changed my life. Um, I saw it and I fell in love with her. I fell in love with the movie. I fell in love with the story. And to this day, Mary Poppins is still my favorite film. <laughs> I love it. That's a strong, really? strong start. And I got to see Julian. <laughs> I met Julie a couple of times and telling Miss Andrews that about the, how I felt about it was so incredibly wonderful. And we were doing an event at Disney World and she is... She is the royalty that everyone expects her to be. She's she's the most amazing person. I hope that you meet her in person if you haven't already. She is everything you expect. Wow. The idea of, again, in like my childhood mind, Belle meeting Mary Poppins, it's just mind blown right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was an amazing experience. I was, my husband was like, I, he wanted me to go over and talk to her. And I was like, I was way too starstruck. And, uh, you know, it's, I'm not that way with a lot of people. I'm really not. But with Julie Andrews, yes, I was starstruck. <laughs> Michael, Michael said, my wife just really wants to meet you. She said, who's your wife? She said, oh, Paige. Said, Paige, come on over here. <laughs> you know, we started talking. And uh, I, I had actually um, gone on for her in uh, The King and I. She'd gotten sick. And I learned Anna and The King and I for the Hollywood Bowl in like four days. And uh, she thanked me for doing that because wow. she recorded it and the whole thing, and then got it old. And you, you can't sing that score if you're if you're really sick. But it was fun because it was Richard White was the king, and Le Leia Salonga and Bebo Bryson were. The, I mean, it was an amazing cast. So I said, Julie, I actually I I owe you that one because that was one of the most incredible nights of my life. Two performances of that. And she said, Well, I, I heard you were wonderful, and so, so it all started out in a really nice nice way and she actually asked my husband and I to join her a few times for the weekend oh my so gosh I got to know her a little bit <laughs> so it was a dream come true I'm going, going from the first star that I fell in love with her, her movie's my favorite of all time and being able to actually share some time with her was uh you know I could die happy now <laughs> <laughs> oh my god seriously a truly magical a magical experience it sounds like oh my gosh befriending Julie Andrews and again that was your first Disney memory. That's amazing. My first movie, my first memory. Um, you know, of course, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have the videos back then. <laughs> I'm an old lady. <laughs> she went to the movie theater and uh, that was pretty amazing, I have to say. Pretty, pretty amazing indeed. Okay. Next up on the Insider Five, you're invited to a Disney themed costume party. Mm -hmm. Who or what do you dress as? At first, I've never been to one. <laughs> uh, if I were going to be asked to go to one this year, I might have to jump on the Cruella bandwagon because the fashion is so unbelievable in Cruella. I mean, the Cruella, you got to admit, that is one of the most amazing films for costumes I've ever seen in my life. The movie is an amazing film. Emma is unbelievable. But one, just for more like with Paige on a red, you know, I, I've always wanted to do... Oh, I'm such a geek. I always wanted to dress up as Tinkerbell. <gasps> so fun. I never, I never did. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so silly. I got to play Peter Pan, though. I played Peter. That was fun. So fun. But I never got to dress up as Tink. 
Okay, well, Paige. I could be this old lady Tink at the party. <laughs> <laughs> Paige, it's on your to-do list to still dress as Tinkerbell. You got to do it. <laughs> You've got to do it. <laughs> Next up, it's Disney karaoke night. What song do you sing? Uh, poor unfortunate souls. Oh, no, I'm kidding. Love. I'm kidding. Oh, I was all on board <laughs> with that. I love <laughs> uh, you know, my husband and I toured at a show from Bell to Broadway, and we had a 15-minute compilation of all our favorite Disney songs. So many of them for Mary Poppins. So <laughs> it might be Let's Go Fly a Kite. Mm. However, there's another interesting one that I might consider because my husband and I were asked, well, in the process of Lion King in the making, Don Hahn asked Michael and I to come spend a day in the recording studio with the great Tim Rice what? and play with the song, Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Oh my gosh, yes. that's amazing. So we spent all day, all day work, playing with harmonies and phrasing and, you know, just working with Tim and playing with it. And that was just, a, and actually, you know what? The take that Michael and I liked the most, they ended up pretty close to that arrangement in the film. So I'm kind of partial to Can You Feel the Love tonight. So I might, I might have to do that one. And unlocking all these amazing stories for us. Within the Insider Five, Paige O'Hara, you are truly delivering on one of the absolute most amazing Insider Fives we've experienced so far. <laughs> oh, for the you. fourth question, if you could only ride one ride okay. all day at a Disney park, which would it be? See there again, you're, that is so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I have, I have two that I absolutely... I have to go on multiple times. So it's going to be, a, you can help me pick. It would be a toss, a toss up between what my childhood one was Peter Pan, of oh, course. Nice. And then they, they refurbished it at Disney World. It's all like fresh and new now. <laughs> and soaring. I love soaring. I always fly in my dreams. I fly a lot in my dreams. And that sort of allows me to like, you know, feel like I'm, my dreams are real, you know? <laughs> and of course now the new, the new, uh, Avatar ride. Have you done that one yet? Oh yeah, fabulous. Have you been on the You have strong choices across okay. everything. I love it. Well, that one is my current favorite just because there again, that's like taking the soaring and putting it on steroids or something. <laughs> you know, it's just like you know, on, on, on high motion, kicking the gear into fast, fast pace. So anyway, those three. But I guess if I had to pick a favorite, like if I only had one I could go on before I like leave the earth, it would be Peter Pan. Hmm. Okay, I just said it. I'm an old lady. I love Peter Pan. I will always love Peter Pan. I love it too. It's magical. Okay. To close. It is magical. To close us out of the Insider Five, here's the last question. Which Disney character has the best life advice and what is it? It's Belle. Mm. <laughs> In my opinion, mm -hmm. it's Belle. By teaching us that we have to look beyond what we see uh, and find, find the truth with your heart. and Find what's inside a person not what's on the outside. And it's only then that you'll be truly happy if you if you know who that person is on the inside. The outside is superficial. It is what it is. But true beauty is with them. Paige O'Hara bringing us home there. And I've got to say, I got goosebumps. As a fan of this movie, talking to you as a big Disney fan who then brought us such an important story as Beauty and the Beast. Thank you so much for joining us today and being our guest to share all these um, stories, share your fandom. You've been a true delight. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me. I hope to see you soon. That's our show. Beauty and the Beast is now streaming on Disney+. Plus, So you don't miss any upcoming episodes. 
Subscribe and follow Disney Movie Insiders Presents, and while you're there, we'd love if you gave us a rating and review. Visit DisneyMovieInsiders.com or our app and enter bonus code LIBRARY. The code expires December 14th, 2021 at 11.59 p.m. Pacific Time. Membership is required. Limit one redemption per account. Visit DisneyMovieInsiders.com for terms and conditions. We'll catch you next time, Insiders, with more Disney Movie Magic.